welcome to Healing and Horsemanship, a podcast exploring the many healing paths we walk with horses. I'm your host, Shannon Ray Riley of Wild Willing Therapeutics and Training. This show is supported by The Herd. The Herd offers monthly bonuses for members, including access to a growing content library on all things health, wellness, and horses. For more on membership, visit wildwilling.com slash podcast. Thank you for joining me on this wild ride. And now, on to the show. Welcome to Healing and Horsemanship, a podcast exploring the many healing paths we walk with horses. I'm your host, Shannon Ray Riley of Wild Willing Therapeutics and Training. This show is supported by The Herd, Healing and Horsemanship Collective. The Herd offers monthly bonuses for members, including access to a growing content library on all things health, wellness, and horses. For more on membership, visit wildwilling.com slash podcast. Thank you for joining me on this wild ride. And now, on to the show. In this episode, we are diving into an interview with Nika Quinn. Nika is an amazing artist. She describes her work as drawing a deeper connection to ourselves, nature, and horses. And if you haven't already seen her beautiful artwork, let me just tell you that if you're a horse person, which you must be if you're listening to this, you're going to take one look at any of her pieces and instantly see the magic that we all know exists in horses. I had so much fun talking to Nika during this interview, and believe it or not, I have not known her that long, but it honestly feels like she's been a lifelong friend. And I think just being a like-minded horse person, there's this strong kinship there. But I think there's something about Nika that truly just feels so horse-like to me. And something she said on a phone call before this interview really just blew my mind. She said something like, when you speak, the truth comes out. And this just, this amazed me for two reasons. One, this statement... I think embodies what a truly authentic person she is, but it also speaks to the horse wisdom that she holds. Anyone that can straightforwardly say that when you speak, the truth comes out is an authentic, congruent person, and this is so rare in the world. It makes me sad. It it honestly just blew my mind because... I've come across so many people who struggle and are lost and are inauthentic and have agendas and 
I've learned through so many bad interactions with people that I have to question whether people are being fully honest with me. And it's so contrary to what we learn with horses. We're always trusting what horses are telling us, or at least we're working to. That's what they teach us. And so the fact that Nika embodies this fully is something I so appreciate, and I know you will too. In this interview, we talk about that one horse that changed everything, And for Nika, this was the magic horse Merlin, who put her through a fiery initiation onto an alternative path with horses. We talk about willing partnerships versus relationships based on control, how, quote, difficult horses have the most potent medicine for us, the gift of doing nothing with horses as the greatest gift of all, unlearning tradition without shaming ourselves or others, what it means when people are afraid of horses, and why maybe all of us should be a little afraid of horses, embracing our emotions and tapping into our intuition and what Nika calls our share muscle, and how horses are working on us to evolve our consciousness. I'm so excited to share this interview with you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening to me rant. I'm sure you're ready for me to stop talking for now. All right, here we go. Welcome, Nika. Thank you so much for being the first guest on the Healing and Horsemanship podcast. That still feels like crazy to say because this is such a wild ride already, but I'm so happy we connected and that you are going to be a really fun first interview for sure. So so to start, your work I think is very unique. I want to just get a deeper background about the work that you do and how you came onto your path. So first off, you describe your work as drawing a deeper connection to ourselves, nature, and horses. Um, how did you come across your path? So. I think we're always on our path in some way, right? Like we, I I would say since I was honestly like two years old, like that was when I fell in love with horses. That's when I started drawing. I know it seems ridiculous too, but I literally have like journals and sketchbooks of scribbles from two, three years old. And my grandma and grandpa were artists. So they always instilled in me to sign and date everything. Mm. (laughs) So I have been drawing horses since I was little. I've yeah, fell in love with them after the first time of riding at like two years old. And then honestly, all of it has just been accumulation of my life. Like I I wasn't, I didn't grow up with horses. I went on a yearly vacation where I was able to ride and access them. And, but throughout the year, almost I look in hindsight, like, obviously, I wish I had them daily. Like, I wish I had them in my life all the time. But I can see now, like, totally in hindsight, that being away from them and having to imagine stories with horses, I had to imagine, like, drawing and that they would come to life. And I had to, you know, have imaginary horses in my backyard. And I think having that creativity 
and like the not having them actually drew such a deep connection of longing and keeping them magical. Right. So like when I was able to ride once a year at this ranch where we would, I mean, we were like cantering through the forest. It was a week long thing and I would, you get to ride a couple hours a day and you from like eight years old, you could start cantering, which is kind of wild now that I think about it. But um, that's how I learned to ride was just literally running through the forest. And there was such a sense of magic with it that I think continued to live with inside of me until I started really, you know, able to work with them um, consistently, which I ended up working at that place for five summers. And I also did stuff throughout the year with horses like uh, throughout college and stuff. But truly, like I didn't really get on this horsemanship quote unquote path until I was like 17. And it seems so late, but I had that love and that magic, you know, throughout my whole life before that. So I think that's the part that really comes through in my art is that like childlike love for them, that the magic of them and not just, not just about what we do with them or the horsemanship aspect or anything that I really just try to capture like the essence of why we're so drawn to horses in the first place. And I just think back to my, my childlike self. (laughs) So that was kind of a tangent, but um, I think getting up more to present day um, after working in quite a few different places, um, yeah, different ranches. I've traveled different places and I mean, I went to New Zealand for a year and was able to guide horseback treks throughout the North and South Island and different places. And it was just, it was amazing. And having that as a, again, just holding that magic where it's like, oh my God, these creatures are letting us <laughs> tour horse, <laughs> on horseback through these beautiful countries. It's just amazing. And um, then there was a horse that changed everything for me. <laughs> Of course, right? (laughs) That's how it always happens. Um, And it really started making me question things because I, you only know what you know, right? Like you only know as far as you've been taught. If you haven't dove in yourself with, um, you know, extensive research and learning, I was, I learned by experience, like all of, all of my horsemanship was purely by experiencing and learning from the people I was working with and for. And when I met Mo, he definitely made me question so many things because he was, I mean, he was just not like any other horse I'd met so far. And I quickly realized, no, 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 not quickly at all. Actually, it took me a long time (laughs) to realize how much of what was quote unquote wrong was me. Like me showing up to him was like my emotions, my, like that he taught me what congruency meant. He taught me what actually emotions inside your body are. Like I was so numb to so many things unknowingly. I was just, it wasn't for anything bad. It was just, I just didn't really know emotions, honestly. (laughs) And So about the same time as when I started, um, I actually went to Switzerland 
and stayed with a family for a few weeks that did clicker training with horses. And it was a whole new world for me. And I dove in and I started questioning everything after that. And then it just tied in with Mo and my journey with him so far. And, oh, wow, I'm really just plowing through this journey so far. <laughs> um, okay, so then I'm trying to think where we were at. I think it was after, um, I mean, it took a couple of years of working with Mo to really come to know what he was teaching me. And by the time I really learned it, I actually, he gave me the courage to leave the ranch that I was working at, which was very necessary. It was quite toxic. And um, that's a whole other story for a different day. But <laughs> basically, when I left there, I felt very alone in the horse world because I just felt like I had so many thoughts of like, what have I done my whole life with horses, two horses? Like what does all of this, like I had so much guilt, so much shame around the ways I've treated horses, but it was just because of the culture that we're in and the traditions and everything. And so um, for like a, a year I worked at, or I worked at this barn for about six months. And in that time I really started going down the path of like energy work and just what it means to do body work with horses because that was a way that I could help them and not use them in my head. That was a good step of unlearning and then relearning. So yeah, there was definitely a time of, oh my gosh, so much, so much unraveling. It was so hard. I, I don't miss that time period of I don't know. There was just so much coming up, so much guilt and so much. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm sure most people that have been on this path know that feeling. And if you're starting on that path, it is hard and it's going to be hard. Um, but that's where the, the best learning is. So again, sorry, this is a very long story here. <laughs> um, so after that, that is when I started drawing and reaching out to the community of people that I was looking for because I couldn't find them. I didn't know what I was looking for, but I didn't know where to look either. And that's when I found Instagram to be an actual tool. I'd never really been on social media really before that. And I didn't even know that it could be good for anything, honestly. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I started drawing what I was going through in my changes with my perceptions on how we work with and be with horses and it was resonating with people and it just encouraged me to keep sharing what I was seeing and feeling and experiencing and the more I shared the more feedback I got and the more people I found that were doing similar things and it was so inspiring because not only did I feel less alone on this but I actually felt like I could actually help make a change. And it was, I mean, I'm still doing this, right? Like it's been three years almost. And I don't see this stopping anytime soon. <laughs> okay. So that's, that's a long, long, short story. 
Well, I think everyone's going to be curious after that to hear more about this horse, Mo slash Merlin, <laughs> right? Who really yes. inspired this change of thought for you. Yeah. So, okay. So I will go into his story just a little bit. Um, yeah, I, I can't even, I'm sure so many people that would be listening to this also have that one horse, right? That one horse that just kind of asked you to wake up a little bit. The one that didn't follow the norm, that didn't do what it was told, right? (laughs) And it's usually the ones that maybe it's an injury for some people. Maybe it's just a quote unquote difficult horse, but there's always something. There's, there's something about the horses that are coming to us now that they have this wisdom for us to unlock, but it's not through, you know, ease and grace. It's through the hardest, darkest parts usually. (laughs) So with Mo, I, it was almost like working with a ticking time bomb, but you didn't know when or if the bomb would ever go off. It was like a constant state of on edge and just that anxiety and that uncertainty. And when I look back again in hindsight, that was my emotional state at the time too. (laughs) So it doesn't seem so crazy anymore. But I mean, there would be days that I would walk out to the pasture and he would look at me up at the top of the hill and actually turn around and run away from me from like 50 feet away. (laughs) And it took me a while to real, like I always kept thinking like at the, at the very start, I was like, well, I mean, we had to corner him. It took us like three hours one time to catch him because obvious reasons, but you know, we were actually trying to move him from one paddock to another and then we couldn't actually get him. But I mean, throughout that time, it was like just going out and haltering and, you know, catching him was a big deal. And so I had to work on a lot of my own, like what I brought to the gate. And I didn't know any of this stuff coming in. Like I truly, we did not, that was just not a part of the ranch culture that I was in to like really think about that emotional state that you're in. However, we always talked about, you know, being present and horses are our mirrors, but like, I don't think my body knew what that meant. And yeah, so that it was just a very interesting process of understanding what it meant to yeah, be congruent, but also allow your emotions to come through and be authentic. Like I just, I truly didn't know how to do that, <laughs> even with myself or with just people, but horses are the ones that teach you that usually, right? <laughs> so yeah, I mean, there was a couple of years of working with him. And I mean, every time I took him out, it was like I had to be in a full focused state. There was, there was no casual <laughs> anything around this horse. And I think it just taught me so many lessons about being present. It just taught me so much about reading their body language, about every, like, he just, it opened up that whole world of things that I thought I knew about, but didn't fully know in my own body. And when we started really connecting and 
truly connecting. Like I, there was such a shift and it was amazing. I was riding such a high about like literally taking him out in the morning and we'd work in the arena. And I'd, when I cantered him for the first time after working with him for over two years, it was like, I mean, I just broke down crying. I was like, this is, this is what it feels like to be connected to a horse and like trust them because I didn't trust him. And when I finally said, I trust you, like all I had to do was say out loud, I trust you and we can do this together. It was a game changer. And it was just, that's when it stepped into partnership rather than either one of us trying to really control the situation. (laughs) And again, looking back, it wasn't perfect. It was definitely not even close, but it was a learning curve. And I think, okay, so there was one story that really shook things up. So basically what happened was I got on and we were just going to go on an easy trail ride and he felt great. Like this was after like, you know, we were doing great things. And then honestly, it took about 30 seconds and he just booked me right off. I don't even know. Like I truly had no time to prepare. I had, I had no idea what happened, but I landed like straight on my face and it was, it was pretty rough. And I was just one, like I was playing it all back in my head and I was just wondering what happened. Like, you know, my boss had always had kept calling him so dangerous and all this stuff. And I was like, I don't think that this was anything malicious. Like, I don't know how to explain it, but like, I couldn't put my finger on why this wasn't a malicious act that he wasn't trying to buck me off on purpose. And I was laying, I was resting that night. It's, I might've had a minor concussion. I don't know, but I got an image and I heard it. This was the first time I truly heard something, you know, like that energetic connection of what it means to like talk to animal communication. Right. Like I had no idea. And I just got this image of these little burrs under his saddle pad, like those little Velcro ball things, you know? And so I asked the girl that I was riding with that day to go check his saddle pad. And sure enough, there was a little handful of those little spiky burrs that would have sat right when I pushed my butt down on the saddle, it would have poked into him. Obviously he wanted me off his back, but you know, like there was, there was so much, when I look back at that moment, that was like me realizing that he's like, he communicated with me energetically. You know, I wasn't in his presence. I was like, that was a huge thing for me to experience. And then I left for a few months on a a little adventure. And when I came back, I couldn't ride him. (laughs) I just couldn't, like, I was scared one. And it was a pretty bad fall and I didn't get back on. And two, I had so many shifting perspectives. I was like, he doesn't want to be ridden. He doesn't want to do anything. Like, how can I make him do it? I can't. And I would just sit with him and try to like be present and meditate. And my boss was getting very agitated with me because I wasn't doing anything with him, quote unquote. And so he, I I went to take him to the round pen one day and my boss came out and basically was like, so I've got the trailer ready. And I was like, for what? (laughs) And he had planned to take him to a trainer down the road without talking to me first. And it was because I wasn't quote unquote doing anything with him. And yeah, that's the whole thing. But basically he, I said that 
I will work with him because I've got him out here and that was my intention. And I brought a saddle and I rode for the first time in seven months. I rode him. I rode other horses, but yeah. And he, oh my God, it was just so healing. Like he was so calm. And when I got on, I mean, he just took the biggest breath out as did I. And I just, I just thanked him. I was like, this is all I need. Like I needed this so badly or else I would have wondered like, what if? And I asked him if he wanted to do a trot or a canter. Like that was, it was totally up to him. And he picked up the most perfect little lope and just went around and just as if, you know, seven months hadn't gone by and it was like, we'd been doing this every day. And I knew that was the last time I'd see him. Like I just knew it. And so my boss took him to the trainer and it was the next day that I quit. And I genuinely thought that was the last time I'd ever see him ever. And it was until this August when the girl that ended up with him after three years of me not seeing him needed to rehome him and reached out. And so I shipped him up from North Carolina to Wisconsin at my friend's house and he lives there now. And I don't need to ride him. I don't need to do anything with him. He just gets to live as a horse and a very powerful one at that. So I think he's, his journey has definitely just begun. <laughs> okay. That's, that's it for that story. <laughs> I could go on forever. See, <laughs> I love everything about that story. Like him energetically communicating to you so clearly and then you having the proof right there not like in hindsight wondering and thinking maybe he was in pain but like having the proof you know maybe that changed some minds but just the fact that it reassured you is just so huge they are always communicating with us right but sometimes it takes those big like slap in the face moments for us to actually trust that And I was thinking that this conversation or this question would come later in the conversation, but fuck it, we're just diving in because that was (laughs) amazing. And it really brings into focus that idea that a lot of people who aren't really exposed to horses, so they assume that we as horse people, we often ride them or that's basically the point of having a horse ride is to ride them. And then for people of a more traditional background, too, I think the assumption is that a finished horse, a good horse, or basically a broken horse, there's that, too, which is another conversation. But the assumption is that they can be ridden when you're doing something right as a rider, as a horse person. So there's always this expectation around riding, right? And the fact that you had to break that with Merlin to then get this beautiful response. And then now he's back with you, which is unbelievable. (laughs) That's just so magical. It's crazy. Like, I truly think that, okay, so in February, when the woman who did own or had him at the time, she randomly reached out and wanted to talk. She wanted to ask about his history. And I was like, I mean, I haven't seen this horse in three years. Like, I don't know what's happened in this time. And I mean, he was having quote unquote bucking issues and getting to the point of so dangerous. Like they couldn't, they brought him to different trainers. I mean, they'd been, 
there's a lot of money put into him and he's a Frisian saddlebred, gorgeous, like 16 hand horse, like athletic as anything. You know what I mean? Like people want to use him. They want him to be something special. And I think I didn't, I never saw that in him. I didn't see that part. Like he's gorgeous, but like, that's not how I see horses to be used in that way. But I could see why people thought that he needed to have a better demeanor or a, you know, more worked out and able to do X, Y, Z because he should be able to. And everyone that worked with him, like I've been in contact with most of the people that have ever worked with him before have all said that they've never met a horse like him before. I mean, these are like some of the, I mean, trainers that have seen hundreds of horses and they still have said, I've never met a horse like this, that he, one of them described him almost as like, almost like autistic, like in a weird way. Like he's just doesn't, he's just a very different horse. And when I, now that I'm in the more spiritual realm with him, I've actually learned that this is, he's been around for many, 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 many lifetimes. and he's never been a horse. So he actually doesn't know how to be a horse, (laughs) (laughs) which just makes so much sense. He was never like a social horse. He didn't like, when you look at him, he just has this like very serious stoic face and he like can have fun once in a while, but like he doesn't need other horses. Like he doesn't need a herd, which is so bizarre. Like, of course every horse needs it, but that's not, you know what I mean? Like he's just very independent and just like, I don't know, it, it just, it made so much sense when I heard that he's never been a horse before. And actually his challenge in this lifetime is to get through the pain of being a horse. Yeah. So very interesting, but it's just throughout the the summer when I was, sorry, this is taking another turn. <laughs> but so after that call with her, I told her, keep me posted if you ever need to you know move him to anywhere else like let me know first because I will figure it out because I've always been afraid that he'd hurt somebody like really bad and then they just ship him away and so throughout the whole summer when I was actually at a very creative low like I honestly didn't even feel inspired by horses anymore I didn't feel inspired by art I didn't feel inspired by almost anything like there was a few months this year of just being like what the fuck am I doing? Why am I doing any of this? What is this? Like questioning everything, wanting to quit, wanting to quit drawing, not drawing forever, like, you know, but drawing as a job. I just, I just didn't know. Like I was just so, there was just so much happening like with this inside of me that I couldn't understand. And at one point I finally let go and I finally just told myself, okay, just ride this out. It's not going to last forever. And when I finally let go, and it was not easy, you know, not drawing, even though I had a whole stack of things that I had to do, not doing anything when I was like, I have so many things to do. (laughs) But in that release and that letting go of those expectations that I'm putting on myself, I just fully, honestly surrendered and trusted that I would come back up and I would come back up to the surface. I would actually be more inspired when I came back and I could feel like an energetic wave. Like 
it was, I was at the, almost like the bottom of the ocean. It felt like at that point, like I was just so down and then I could feel the rise coming. And then right when it really started to lift is when I got the message about Merlin. And I felt like he was a part of that, a part of that journey of like, okay, you have to fully let go and something will happen. And oh my God, it was just like the timing couldn't have been any better. Like I, this all happened right when I was coming back to the US. And so I could actually plan all the, like the move for him and then I could visit him. Well, I still didn't visit him for like almost like six weeks, but I finally, I, I did get to visit him instead of being stuck in Scotland for months and not ever being able to see him, you know, like there this timing of being able to spend time with him, even though he's four and a half hours away from my house, um, is, has been amazing. And I've learned so much, even just being connected to him energetically. So he really helped you see the pains of horses. And it sounds like he's this massive teacher of that for other people too. But these horses, like you said, that are often labeled as dangerous horses are really suffering the most. And oftentimes it does take a really alternative approach and in many cases not riding. And I just am thinking about one of your pieces of art that is, it's a woman embracing a horse on the ground And it says in really beautiful script, the next revolution will not be led on horseback, but instead standing by their sides. So that's, I mean, that says everything, but how do you, that's such a controversial statement too, because Mm -hmm. so much of the horse world is the goal is to ride. So how can we, even without a horse like Merlin, that might be suffering from riding, how can we embrace that and listen to our horses and inspire more groundwork, like to embrace the next revolution? Oh, I love that. I, I think that there's no, I don't think that there's harm in riding if the horse, you know, is a willing participant and I will You know, I will always love that thrill of riding. I will always love it, but I definitely want a willing partner in that. And I think I've learned, this is all I can say is like my personal journey, you know, like I'm not a horse trainer, quote unquote, or anything. Like I just, I can share what I've been through and I've learned more about horses in the time that I've stepped away from them than any other the actual act of being away and not seeing them every day, the actual act of not riding and being on the ground with them and not even necessarily ground work, but just being present with them. Like I have learned so much more about horses in the time that I've done absolutely nothing with them than ever before. And so I think that if more people took time to be with their horses and not had any expectations or even trying to help them. And I know that sounds so contradictory, but when we like, I mean, I love body work. I love, you know, helping horses feel better physically and emotionally, but just in being, I think is also very healing. And so 
taking off the pressure of having to just keep helping and fixing, because that was another route I went down of, okay, well, I can't ride, so I've got to help and fix every horse instead, right? So I, I think that for the people that maybe are just starting this journey or have been on it a while, I think just the message that keeps coming through from the horses is being present, being allowing that moment to mean something about that space that you can create with another being that doesn't have any goals or expectations within it that is simply about just (laughs) experiencing that moment with them. And I think that's the revolution that will (laughs) help us in evolving our consciousness. Like, I think we need that the horses are asking us to step into those kind of spaces. And I don't know how you feel on that, but I feel like they're calling very loud right now. <laughs> it um, it sort of reminds me of something this comedian TJ Miller said about, it was a bit about pets and how he saw this dog that had just been straying on a sidewalk. And basically the thought of like, scooping up this dog that's like so excited like newfound freedom woohoo like exploring this new world and he's like oh i've got you and he's trying to lure it with treats and everything and he grabs the dog then he's like let me take you back to your owner as though it's like basically taking you back to the prison and so he calls pets our friend slaves and ever since hearing that i'm like I can't look at my dogs and horses the same way like have i basically just taken captive these slaves that when I leave the barn or when I leave the house, they're like, is she coming back? Is she ever going to see us again or feed us or refill the water? And it just really, we ask so much of our horses, especially to carry us to be emotionally stable, even while, like you said, if we're not fully in our bodies and realizing what we're carrying and we're asking them to carry all of that on top of it. But it, <laughs> it, yeah, it gets really icky sometimes on that so I love that the idea of doing nothing is such a beautiful idea because it really allows you to look at all the things that you've been conditioned to believe that are maybe false and you're finding your true self with that and mm, on another one of your beautiful posts on your Instagram feed you you share a really lovely photo of yourself with horses running in the background. And the caption says, my way of inspiring changes is by sharing and standing strong in what I believe in, but no longer needing to push my opinions and judgments on others, whether I was consciously doing that or not. Sharing what I do, what comes through me is the magic, is the way to speak to people's souls without imposing but sharing is scary. There's a lot of fear around what the what ifs, the rejections being laughed or scoffed at. But the more you practice, exercise the sharing muscle, the easier it gets. End quote. I think that's amazing. The sharing muscle, similar to like the intuitive muscle that we have. And you also on a previous call to me said, I think it was something like, when you talk the truth comes out and you were even like that surprised me I didn't know I was gonna say that (laughs) but that just came out that was the truth spilling out so I think the idea of being our authentic selves with horses changes so much and 
it definitely allows us to confront that fear of like, what if people laugh at me for doing it this way or like literally ridicule me because I'm not doing it the traditional way. So yeah. Do you have more to add about that? Yeah. I think there's something about, I mean, it's a time that we live in as well, that there's a lot of weird, like moral superiority complexes happening. Like, Mm -hmm that we want to just be better humans than each other. You know, like I, I treat my horses like this, so I'm obviously better and whatever. Like, I don't know. There's just so much of that. And it's not just the horse world. I'm just talking about the culture of what we're living in today. And the horse world has always been kind of very judgmental and very, I don't know, very clicky. Right. Like, I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of stereotypes with horse people in general like horse people are crazy well i mean <laughs> I, I mean you can't argue with it either <laughs> good crazy bad crazy i mean <laughs> um but i think the one thing that really when i started you know steering down a path of different perspectives And I try to keep this very ambiguous when I say this because I went through a lot of different modalities and techniques and different like approaches. And now I'm to the point of not trying to name anything or label anything and just show up and I'll keep learning and I'll keep, you know, yeah, learning from different people and whatnot, but I don't want to be stuck in one way, right? Because there is no one way. And I think that is what really needs to be shared is that every person is going to be with horses in the way that feels the best to them. And that's how it should be. And I don't love the culture that shoves opinions down other people's throats and that stands on their soapbox and, you know, shames and blames other people. And I know I did that for a moment. I know that when I started changing how I was looking at stuff. I I wasn't doing it out of, you know, trying to be mean or trying to make people feel bad. It was out of concern for the horses, right? Like I was like, oh well what if we did this instead? Or, you know, just I would try to share in a polite way, you know, what I was seeing and thinking and feeling for the horses in the moment. But I could definitely see how sometimes it was definitely it was it was a bit rude. So to somebody that was not even close to where I was at, right? Like we were on different, totally different paths and totally different spaces. So like I'm coming at them as an attack in their mind and that doesn't get anyone anywhere. And so I have now just resolved to just standing in what I'm doing. And so if I'm doing something with a horse and somebody asks me a question about it, I will be honest and I'll tell them what I'm doing and that's that. And if they want to keep asking, then we keep going. But if they want to judge and walk away, then I'm going to just leave that little nugget of whatever I said with them and let them walk away. And you cannot change people when they're not ready. So it's good to talk about this stuff. It's good to share. But, and I think there's people doing it in different ways. But just for me, myself, I just want to stay true to what feels good, which is just being myself and not pushing on other people. So yeah, I guess that's where that one came from. Yeah. I'd love to unpack the crazy horse person 
stereotype because I am so guilty of saying that about myself. And I think in realistic terms, it is a crazy thing to do to put so much time, energy, and money into a being that literally has no utilitarian value, right? Horses aren't quite livestock. So when you buy hay, you have to pay a tax, whereas other ranchers and farmers don't have to pay that tax. So literally our state tax laws are saying that they're useless, quote unquote. And, you know, that's that's my perception of it. But we have no use for horses in terms of like farming, war, transportation. Now it's purely hobby. And I think that can also get, that can be challenging because we sort of might have something to prove in terms of like, okay, this is something that's giving back to me monetarily, like I'm doing competitions or, you know, I'm leveling up my status or I'm becoming a professional trainer or writer in some way. So we have to look at something as like a yield that is going to return to us. But when we talk about doing nothing with horses or even just healing ourselves through spending time with them, you know, that can also be like (laughs) some kind of like paying back interaction where that's also demanding something of them. So how do we truly put ourselves in neutral with them and just allow them to be horses and not call ourselves crazy for allowing them to be horses and like unwind all of that weird. Like, I think what you said, they are calling us so strongly to change our perceptions. And that's so much work that we literally have to put in either the daily, like what you do, drawing them, thinking about them, imagining them, or the daily, like going out and being with them, showing up, mistakenly hearing something wrong and like doing it all over again the next day it's just like it's endless work so we don't need to look at ourselves as crazy for being drawn to that because I think it's so necessary like what you said but how do we not guilt and shame ourselves and how do we also tell the difference between the people who I used to call crazy horse people or the ones where I'm like whoa that's not good crazy that makes me nervous and scared like that's a little dangerous you know yeah what's the good crazy what's the bad crazy right it's hard it's hard when you're just beginning too because you're like oh they have horses let me learn from them but yeah we all have our way with it except there are there are more like respectful ways of being with them and I don't want to say like one training approach is right or wrong but there are definitely fundamental respectful things and if someone ever gets a like whoa that scares me kind of approach or they see the horse shut down, like that's more than likely the wrong way, right? Or just disrespectful or forceful. So I'm going to tie this all in together. I have a question about, so you're like a big traveler and you said you spent over a decade traveling around the world, going to so many different foreign countries. And while you were interacting with horses along the way, um, I want to just highlight one story where in your newsletter, which I just signed up for, (laughs) you shared a really beautiful story about you traveling through Peru, where your intuition and your partner's intuition speaks to you both so strongly and you just look at each other and like everything changes. And I love that because that's exactly like when we talk about listening to the horse, that's what we're 
we're always trying to listen in to that with ourselves. So you've manifested that on your travels. So can you speak a little bit more to that with your practice, with listening to your intuition? That is a great question because I think I've been really lucky that I have always kind of followed that inner guidance without even being conscious of it. Um, And when I became conscious of it, that became even, you know, more significant and stronger. And it was just, it's a muscle, right? And you have to train it because when you don't listen, you probably fall pretty hard. right? (laughs) And with the horses too, it's like, literally you could, like, I've had those moments of, I thought I shouldn't do this. I did it. I actually fell off and really hurt myself. Or you know what I mean? Like stuff like that. I'm sure people all the time, like feel that way with their horses. And then yeah, with like traveling and stuff, not knowing what every day brings, but following the path that we feel is the right one. That was always such a fun thing because I never really traveled with a, we had like a a general plan, but we would not, you know, plan it to a T So we'd get somewhere and then just kind of honestly just listen or something would come up or some opportunity we'd find. And then we'd go down that way and then we just let it take us. And I think in that trust, you inherently build that intuition muscle because if we don't feel good, we don't do it, period. And if we do feel good and it doesn't turn out good, then we're like, well, why did that happen? And be like, well, maybe we had to experience that so that we could get to this next place you know like you can see the the path that takes you places and for better for worse like sometimes you have to go into uncomfortable situations so that you can strengthen a different muscle like speaking your voice you know like sharing that you're uncomfortable in a situation is something that's difficult or I think I mean there's just so many there's just so many ways that you can you can learn to trust yourself and the universe and but it takes that surrender and it takes actually trying. It's not easy. But I think when I've put myself in those positions of, yeah, let's go on a four or five month adventure and not plan it. It's like, then you just learn to trust it throughout the whole thing. And I think that's not a normal, you know, that's not a very normal way to build that muscle for most people. But in the daily, in daily life, you can. You really, I, I don't know. I don't know what that fully looks like for everybody, but that's just my experience is just allowing those opportunities that come, like saying yes or no, like actually listening to yourself, not doing it for somebody else. You know, like when you agree or disagree to meet up with somebody, are you doing that as a, you feel obligated to, are you doing that because you really want to like trust your intuition? Maybe that's, maybe you're not meant to go to lunch with that person that day because actually you know, they're going to get in a car accident on the way there. Or, you know what I mean? Like, you don't know how deep this stuff goes. You don't know what your actions will ripple out and affect. And I've learned that in so many different scenarios, especially with horses. And the first one that really taught me this was actually, I had a really bad accident with a mom and her six-year-old daughter on a horse. And it was pretty horrible. Like, I felt so guilty and so bad because it was partially my fault. I won't go into the details, but basically the little girl got was on a runaway and 
the mom fell off trying to get her and she busted her knee and we were on the trail and it was just, it was pretty traumatic moment. Like there's a lot more involved, but I afterwards was so shook up. Like I was blaming myself so hard and, you know, it took me a long time to like not constantly like dream about it and fear about it. And I talked to somebody who actually was the one to introduce me to like energy work. And she said, you don't know why that needed to happen to her. It's not all about you. (laughs) Not only, not was that, it wasn't supposed to be like a bypass. Like I wasn't supposed to just like be like, oh, okay, cool. Thanks universe. Like not my fault, but it was an invitation to look at that this, all of this doesn't revolve around each of us individually. And that maybe in her life, she needed a big wake up call or that maybe it saved them from, you know, something else that was going to happen down the road, or we just don't know. And I think that's a part of this game of life that we play, right? (laughs) It's just trusting that what's supposed to happen will happen. And yeah, that was quite a tangent. I don't even know where I'm going anymore. (laughs) That needed to come out. Apparently (laughs) I haven't talked about that in so long. Well, that's like the saying, you never know what your bad luck or what worse luck your bad luck is saving you from. And we have no control over that. Like we cannot possibly see 10 steps ahead. So especially with horses, when you get that little inkling that something's not right, you know, but you're like, no, this is the pattern or this is the route or the trail. Like we have to do this. But listening and yeah, sometimes not listening. That's where all the juicy learning is too. You know, and then you'll learn next time, hopefully, that you won't do that again, right? <laughs> yeah. It's a very important thing, but very difficult. I think stuff um, like that is really with horses. Like I see why our world has transitioned over to technology. Because when you talk about having a wreck like that, I think for a lot of people who are just passionate about horses or love them, and then something like that happens, then they switch off and they're afraid of horses. So many people who are interested in horses who I talk to about them are like, no, but they stepped on me when I was little or I fell off and like that was it. So I see why it kind of takes like, (laughs) again, that crazy person to persevere and keep being like, no, I'm going to get back in the saddle or like the cowboy cowgirl that's like rough and tumble and like, no, I can do this. Like I'm going to stay on. And it's not necessarily about toughness, but about that connection, like knowing that we're not in control. And like when you said you fully told Merlin that you trusted him and everything shifted like if we could say that to you, to the universe, I trust you, how different might things unfold? We yes. might fall down and like have the worst shitty day. But if we're like, I trust what's happening, you know, we're being saved from that worst luck through our bad luck. Yes. And like, What opportunities are you inviting in by saying that? Right. Mm-hmm. Like it's again, we just don't know how deep it goes or what ripples will I don't know it's just it's so incredible like I I, these are very philosophical talks in this way of just 
wondering what the meaning of life is in that way, right? Like, you know, we just, we just, it's just such a mystery. It's so cool. And I think that if you listen to horses and you work with them, you tap into the magic of what it means to be alive and like in this human experience too, because it's, it is magic. And they invite that us to play in that realm with them, right? Like, we can actually access something that's very difficult to do in a daily life when you're around horses. And yeah, that is a gift in itself. Wow. I had no idea that we were going to go into that. It is, it, it causes you to question everything about life. So that's why I think healing and horsemanship, like we have these ways of interacting with them, but until you do it a little differently or until you go a little deeper i think people have no idea the potential for transformation just mm-hmm. from being in their presence like it's it's endless and it's so insane it never, yeah you, it's a never-ending learning journey either mm-hmm. <laughs> really fun or frustrating depending <laughs> on how you're doing, but... <laughs> Humbling. Um, yes and i was gonna say um you know how you're talking about with people being afraid of horses. And I think there's a reverse where people are afraid of horses. So they don't come near them. And instead of, you know, having an experience and then driving them away, but that people are so nervous around horses because they should be, let's be real. Like we should be scared of them. And why aren't we, why are us horse people not scared of them? Like, Why do we feel like our little tiny human bodies, you know, like that's where the dominant culture comes from because we're obviously not bigger than them and obviously, you know, need that sense of control. But the people that are actually very sensible are probably the ones that are like, yeah, I'm just going to stay back here. (laughs) Yeah. But in saying that, I think at a human species level, I feel that there is something about horses that might, let me see how to phrase this. I think when people are nervous about horses, they might also be nervous at what they'll see in themselves if they look deeper. And knowing that horses are such deep healers and such, you know, they work in such energetic and mysterious ways sometimes, that door, that portal that you walk through when you enter that kind of world with horses if you're not ready for it, you're not ready for it. And so that's personal growth, right? Like that is our healing journeys as humans. And if, if that scares you, if looking at emotions scares you, if looking at yourself scares you, then yeah, horses are also going to scare you. (laughs) And it may be, and I think it's just subconscious. Like, I don't think that that's ever going to be a conscious thought in anybody's mind, but I think it's just very parallel, right? It's like the people that or the people that are with horses and don't want to look beyond and don't want to start to think a little differently or question things is because they're afraid of looking and questioning themselves. You know, like that takes a lot of strength and a lot of um, (laughs) commitment to actually change who you are and even just to look at it, just to look deeper into who you are and what like why our ego tells us we have to be this one way (laughs) so i think the people that can't 
be open to different, you know, alternative ways, if you will, are actually probably quite insecure about themselves because what they've built, what they know, what they think they know about themselves and horses would be utterly destroyed if they started questioning anything. And if you're not ready for that complete destruction, then you're not ready. Like (laughs) you can't force that complete, you know, breakdown of everything you've ever thought you knew it's just that's a hard thing (laughs) so I get it that's the compassion that we have to have as people on this path of you know alternative ways like we have to have that compassion and empathy to remember where we were and who's still there you know we're just in different places and you cannot force a healing journey on anybody they have to choose it or else it's not that's not a uh, willing partner either right (laughs) yes Yes. Oh man, I'm really sad that we're getting close to the end time here. Yeah, we could talk a while, I think. <laughs> Turns out I could talk a while, I guess. <laughs> well, there's so much more there. I feel like we're just getting to like the messy, ooey gooey center of it. But I really, really wanted to ask you this question, which is kind of on the heels of what you were just saying about that. So, I wanted to just really say to listeners who might not be familiar with your work, your work comes across to me as like so uplifting. And when I'm looking at like your Instagram feed or your Etsy shop, I'm literally smiling and just thinking like, this is how I viewed horses from like age four to now. Like this is just the magic, like it completely just comes across. And so I literally want to buy every print. So when I'm a millionaire, like you'll receive a big order from me. Trust me. But for now, I just, I wanted to say that one of your pieces of art really struck me, which has like a darker vibe to it. And it's this horse that's, uh, it has five different ropes attached to it and it's being torn in two different directions. And, and you know, this print, you're nodding your head. It's just for listeners. It's like, there's a hind leg rope and a four leg rope and a couple neck ropes. And it's just, there's the struggle and the conflict and the tension. And then it reads really simply just a few words. It says not giving up. And then to make this even more amazing in the caption on your Instagram post for it, you wrote, break the chains, break the rope, break the confinement. There's hope. Leave the old ways. Let's forge ahead to a day when oppression is gone and dead. All life deserves living, not strangled in fear. Freedom is a right, not a privilege, my dear. Oh my gosh. <laughs> when I read that, I was it was late last night and I'm just like, yes, <laughs> this is amazing. So you and it's really interesting to hear my words read back to me. <laughs> that is that's a whole other thing. I'm when I write those things, it's genuinely when I open the Instagram thing and I'm like, hmm, what should I write about this? Mm. And then I just write. So like those, and then I don't usually look at them again. So whatever comes up and comes through is also very just in the moment. Very. Yeah. So it's funny to hear it back because I haven't heard that in whenever I wrote that two years ago. <laughs> yeah, it's it's back there, but it completely like that could be in the print itself that completely just embodies it too 
if you weren't looking at the image, I think that speaks to it perfectly. So on that note, yeah, let's get into why you made that image and how your mission is to help us go in a different path with them. Okay. So during that time, that was actually in 2020 and there was so much, so much happening. We all know that. And there was so much talk about just oppression and systems and old ways that need to be shaken up. And, you know, we have to look at things different for the human world. And I don't, you know, like my work, I try not to, I really don't try to be political in anything because I don't think that helps anybody, honestly, um, in, for me, for what I'm doing. And there were so many feelings and thoughts that I had at the time around just like the culture of humans. <laughs> and I think that it just is so parallel to horses. And I see it so clearly that, you know, we talk about the old system or the current systems that actually hold people back and hold people down and oppress. And they have done that for centuries. How can we not see the same in the horse world? How could we not see the same with how we be, how we handle and live with animals? How can we not see that as horrendous, honestly, in so many ways that I, (laughs) I just, I think that when we talk about freedom and we talk about, you know, just privilege in general, I, I always relate it all back to animals because we are animals in the end. Like we're all the same and we're not, but we are right. Is that, that's what we talk about with the humans too. It's like, everyone is the same, but we're not, but we are. (laughs) I know it's confusing, but I think that's kind of the point too, right? Like we, it's like how, and this is going to be my only mildly, not political, but you know, like touching on culture stuff. But if we want everybody to have the same rights that be free at all levels, but then also want to like label people and also want to categorize and also want to, you know, like almost like section different groups and different thought patterns and everything. Like we want to keep everyone happy in their own little bubbles. Well, then that's also not very, um, that won't make that big of change either. Like it's the systems itself that do need to change. It's the old ways. Like this is the same in the horse world. Like lots of little things can happen here and there in their own little bubbles. But like what happens when we make a wave of change at the level of like just the social conditioning of how we operate? I don't know if any of that made sense. I don't even know what I said, but <laughs> but there, there we go. I think so. I think it made sense. <laughs> no. Well, it's hard to, I think horses are such a great analogy and metaphor for so many cultural things that are happening right now, but around the 2020 massive riots and shifts and, and just darkness for everyone, I think people really questioning our, our interactions and our relationships with horses and yeah, the old ways in general. And it's funny that reading that caption, I never really connected it, but 
when I'm hearing people talk about what's happening in society or their relationship or whatever is going on between human interactions, I'm always like, hmm, well, with horses, it's like this. And so everything just makes sense to me inherently through a horse lens. So I can see where I think they're just mirroring. Like, they're like, come on, guys. How have you not figured this out yet? Like, we've been with you for, what, 6,000 years now? And we're just starting to, like, get things up here and in our hearts where before it was just control and domination. And I don't think it was always that way. I think something really shifted. But I think we're getting back to Obviously, patriarchy, but that's a whole other topic. Yeah, Um, a whole other episode. Yeah, but I do think that horses have always been by our sides for different reasons you know like in the time that we did use them and you know for many different tools and whatever but like think about how far we evolved as humans now we don't need them in that way anymore so now they're allowed to get to the next level they're they're stepping into our consciousness they don't need to help us evolve physically that part's done like we they're helping us evolve in our minds And I think the more that we learn from horses and the more that we learn about ourselves through horses, we will be able to interact better with the other humans in our life too. And I think it just creates for a more empathetic and compassionate humankind if we can learn this stuff from animals, because it's hard to learn sometimes human to human, but it's so much easier to see the pureness and the love and the just genuine authenticity that animals bring because they can't do anything else. I totally agree with that. So, all right, I know we're a little bit over the limit, but just really quickly, if you could just give us like even a one-liner, I just want to learn how you define health and how you define horsemanship. Oh, health. I think it's just a, a wellness and a alignment with all parts of our being, right? Like our physical body, our mental body, our emotional body, and, you know, keeping tabs on it as well, you know, like actually not letting anything really fall through the cracks. (laughs) Um, And horsemanship, I think, for me is now about letting the horses lead just as much as we lead, having it be equal and listening to themselves, to them and to us. And I think making everything a little bit more 50-50 would be very beneficial to everybody. And I don't think that it takes crazy skills or methods. I think that listening and being open is is a skill in itself, actually. <laughs> okay, I won't make that too long. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Thank you so much, Nika, for being the first interview on the podcast and all the amazing insights that you have. So for people who don't already know about your work, where can they find you? I have, it's mostly my Instagram, which is at Nika Draws Nature, N-I-C-A. And that's the same for my website, NikaDrawsNature.com. You heard her people. Go find her beautiful work. It's the holidays and if people are listening soon actually this episode might not be out before the shipping deadlines but anyways it's the holiday season go to the etsy shop and just (laughs) binge everything add everything to the cart it's all so good so 
I'm, and I appreciate our conversations. This is so great. Yeah. Yeah. You'll have to come on for another episode to get another layer deeper. We're just, we're just we're scraping just the surface. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. Bye. Thank you for listening to these stories on healing and horsemanship. If you're moved by this episode, please rate and subscribe wherever you're listening to help the show grow. This show is supported by The Herd. The Herd offers monthly bonuses for members, including access to a growing content library on all things health, wellness, and horses. Join today at wildwhaling.com herd membership. And until next time... I wish you harmony in your health and with horses.